Hey everybody, this is Josh McKinney, and I just want to welcome you to episode 171 of the I Suck at Jiu-Jitsu show. So today's first Q&A in a very long time. Uh, I think you guys are going to like it. I just got done recording it. It was, I think it's really long. I haven't checked on how long it went, but it feels like I've been in my office for like days. And so uh, I think it's really long and we really do cover, definitely this is the broadest amount of topics on uh, on a Q&A episode. I think I even get into how AI is gonna take over the world. And so, uh, yeah, a lot, to, a lot to unpack on this. Talk about, man, so many different things I talk about on this episode. Uh, hopefully you guys like it. I really don't have, I think, any info to give you guys. Usually in the intro, I have something cool to tell you about. The, the studio is going really well. It's almost done and I'll almost be able to show you guys the studio and then hopefully uh, start to show you the use of the studio, which is way more exciting than the, the studio itself. And so uh, without further ado, yeah, actually one more thing. If you enjoy this, don't forget, hit me with that five-star review, man. Uh, if there is one thing that the podcast suffers from, it is my lack of promotion of the podcast. And so what I try to do is get you guys to do that for me. And the only way for you guys to do that for me, of course, if you shared an episode on Instagram or sent it to a friend or something like that, that would be awesome too. But the easiest way for you guys to help me out and do my job of promoting the podcast for me is to give me those five-star reviews. So if you guys are enjoying the content, uh, and you want to keep it free forever, hit me with those five-star reviews so we can get more listeners and uh, continue to grow the I Suck at Jiu-Jitsu show community. Let's go ahead and jump right into this episode. All right, guys. Josh McKinney here with a Q&A. First Q&A I've done in... Honestly, I was looking back and I don't even know if I really did a true Q&A in 2022. I did some random shows where I had some questions, but a lot of the questions, uh, or a lot of the statements I think were things that I wanted to talk about. And I just kind of mixed up all kinds of stuff that I wanted to talk about. Um, but today we're going to go true Q&A. What was cool about this one, and it hasn't been, you know, like I said, it's been so long since I've done one of these. Uh, is I made like one post on Instagram and got a ton of questions. And so I was able to get enough to definitely complete this whole episode. Uh, and I got some really good questions, a good mix of jujitsu learning and ideas and things like that. And then some questions that kind of just made me think um, that were more specific about the show or specific about me. And so Without further ado, let's go ahead and get into it. The first question I thought I would go with uh, is what should be my main focus as a white belt three months in? I think that, you know, this is probably starting this episode with a, a white belt question is the way that we all start in jujitsu, right? So um, let's let's look at this. I think your first six months of jujitsu, and it's going to be different for everybody. If you're training seven days a week, 
you know, this won't be your first six months. This will be your first two months, right? Um, but if you really want to, you know, if you're somebody that is getting into jiu-jitsu and you're looking at what should I be even focused on in the beginning, what techniques should I learn? Uh, I think that those things are going to be dependent on gym. I don't think that they matter that much either. I really don't think that somebody's trajectory changes that much, whether they learn close guard first or they learn bottom side control first. Uh, I used to get hung up on this and really pay a lot of thought into it. But the thing about jujitsu is jujitsu works a lot as a whole, right? Um, not a hole that you dig, but a hold like a, um, a, a full piece of things, right? Um, for example, if you learn closed guard and you learn how to sweep to mount, well, now you need to know what to do from mount. Uh, well, then your ankle gets trapped and now you're in, they call it quarter mount. The name of quarter mount makes no sense. It should be called three quarters mount, but you're in quarter mount. Now from there, you need to know how to beat quarter mount. Now you're in deep half guard. Now you need to know how to beat deep half guard. And so no one lesson is going to teach you all of those things. No one lesson is going to be uh, the one thing that you need, right? That doesn't start happening until you are deep into jujitsu and you kind of have a general idea of what is going on everywhere. And then that's when those one lessons really seem to make the bigger difference. I think for your first six months as a newbie, I think you should first be learning how to move your body. And, uh, you know, as weird as this sounds, kind of get your mind and your body to work as one. When you show a blue belt, when I show a blue belt, a brand new technique, you know, especially if they're a pretty good blue belt, usually takes a few reps and they can do that technique, at least make me, uh, you know, like in, in drilling, they can drill that technique and they can make it look really good and a few reps more. And usually they can pull that technique off on a brand new white belt, right? Uh, and it's not that, you know, this technique was the perfect technique for them or it was all that they needed. Usually it is just that they now have enough context that when I go to give them something, they can put it right into their jujitsu and make it effective. And so um, this is kind of like a long answer uh, for a, a really simple question of what should be your main focus three months in. I think your main focuses should be learning the language. Know what people are, if people are saying things on the mat, uh, whether they're coaches, whether they're just higher belts than you, if they are saying things that you just do not understand what is even being said, not like, oh, I don't know how to do this move. That's like too simple. That's too zoned in of a way to look at it. If the coach says something, has an idea that he talks about, has says the word grip biting, and you don't know what grip fighting actually is, instead of trying to organically learn what grip fighting is for the rest of your jujitsu because no one ever sat you down and explained what fighting for inside control is. Then you're going to be hoping that you pick that up somewhere in the future, right? And you're going to be focused on, well, which techniques should I learn? I'm three months in. I think you should learn whatever you're being taught, wherever you're going, you should focus on those techniques. But learning what people are actually meaning when they're talking about stuff, learning for you how to ask questions. Uh, actually, this whole week at my school, I guess it was last week, uh, 
we've been doing for the month of January. We're doing classes in the, the context of the class because you would never learn this in a jujitsu class, right? And so obviously we're not teaching technique classes. Uh, what we worked on all last week was how to ask better questions. And we would give different examples. I would bring up one of my brown belts and I would ask them a bunch of questions about a position or one of my purple belts, ask them a bunch of questions about a position. And, uh, and it would kind of be a hive mind thing. Some of my other students would be asking questions about this position. And we would all get on the same page and we would all understand, right? And it wasn't me developing some curriculum and saying, okay, these are the three things that all 40 people in this room should know. That's crazy to think, right? There is no way that all 40 people in this room need the same lesson, but they could develop the same skill. And that skill we're looking at is is asking better questions. So the long answer for this short question, what should you be focused on three months in? I think you should be focused on learning to ask questions and learning to actually understand the answer to those questions. And so you ask a question, hey, what do you do from closed guard? And this guy shows you really quick. A lot of times that isn't what they do from closed guard. A lot of times your question was too generic. Then you say, okay, well, you were saying you're going for this overhook from closed guard. How do you get there? What do you do with that overhook that you're telling me about? Why is that overhook important? You know, you can ask these questions and get so much deeper. And usually you're helping the brown belt or the purple belt or the black belt that you're asking think a little differently about the technique that they always just do, right? Uh, and so the the big focus should be learning to ask questions and just absorbing as much of the general language and the general ideas on jujitsu because you're going to hear those over and over and over and over again and if you don't understand those if you don't understand what somebody means when they're talking about grip biting and you could simply ask your coach and then ask a few follow-up questions and then actually know what grip biting is, then you won't have that big hole in your understanding, right? And so then when the coach says the grip bite is the most important part of this technique, then you know, okay, well, I know what grip biting is. I know what the most important idea is on this technique. And then you can just focus on adding that technique in very quickly and very easily. Let's look for... Next question. Oh my gosh. I just, I'm starting with the hard ones. Uh, so where you advise people look for overarching principles such as keep their shoulders flat. Um, you know, where do I get these principles is basically the question or where should someone get these overarching principles or these concepts in jujitsu? And, uh, I don't know the person that asking this question. So I don't know if they're asking from the perspective of a coach who's trying to add that or just a student who's trying to make jujitsu seem uh, a little smaller. So this is how I would approach it. Just like the last question, we talked about the language being used on the mats and how important that is. Something we'll talk about on the podcast a lot is that it's very normal for gyms to have their own language for certain things, their own names for certain positions, their own names for even certain ways of attacking and ways of playing jujitsu, right? And so um, I, I think it's better for most people, especially now, I think that we're kind of coming into a golden age of content creation or going to be soon. 
And I think that there's going to be so many good coaches that have these big online, um, basically online gyms um, or online academies where most of their knowledge is in this, you know, in these hours and hours of instructional. So um, I think it's probably best, especially in the beginning, for most people to just find a coach that they really like and jujitsu seems simpler when they explain it. Okay. Uh, and another criteria on this is that they have enough content that is out right now. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people like my philosophies on jujitsu that I talk about, but when it comes to actually teaching technique, uh, I don't have a ton online of teaching technique. I just don't have, or, or teaching ideas even, um, pretty much the only way to get my ideas is to train with me or to listen to the podcast as of right now. Right. And so I would be a terrible person to look at um, to try to, to, to develop these ideas. Um, but let's say that you really like, uh, let's say you really like who's, let's just say Gordon. I know that's always the, the person I use, but it's just so easy to use him because most people have his instructionals. Um, and most people know who that is. And so let's say Gordon has eight hours of content. So what I think I would look at for these overarching ideas and these overarching principles is I would look for anything that he says, especially if he says it multiple times, that makes jujitsu seem smaller, makes jujitsu seem simpler. Okay. Uh, for instance, he might talk about something like when I am, you know, people use chest over chest. This is actually the example, keep their shoulders flat. That's the, sh the example that he gave. When I use chest over chest, I am keeping the person's shoulders flat. Okay. And so that lets you start to put in perspective. Okay. When my chest is over the person's chest, their shoulders are flat. The goal is to get their shoulders flat. That will make jujitsu simpler, right? But he also, this, that, those sentences they are mixed in with eight hours of content and everything is always going to be delivered to you like it's of the same level of importance. And so for you, your job as somebody who is decoding and your job as somebody who's trying to absorb and understand this knowledge is apply it to what you already know. So if he says chest over chest is important and then he shows all these different guard passes and you don't know any of these guard passes. How do you know that chest over chest is important for those guard passes? You don't even know those techniques yet. So what you could do is you could apply them to what you already know and understand. You can say, okay, well, I like to pass the guard this way. I wonder if there's a way I could apply being chest over chest. Maybe there's not. Maybe that's not the principle for you right now. But when it comes to principles and concepts, these are simply ways that black belts think. So when I teach this, you know, I have like when I teach distance management from guard and I am in, I went to, I did a, uh, it wasn't even a seminar. It was just like a class at uh new breed. This would have been like a year ago. I think at this point, I was just there on a random Thursday and uh, Sam was like, Hey, would you want to teach? I'm like, yeah, I have some cool stuff that I'll show. And he showed my ideas on distance management from the guard and um, what I call chest over chest or excessive distance and explaining offense and defense and how to get back into offense and kind of some ideas. And anytime, and I see this every time I've gone anywhere, anytime I start teaching 
more principle-based jujitsu, more of these big ideas that we're going to try to apply to everything. I get a lot of eye rolls from the higher level guys. And that's because most principles being pushed to you are not principles at all. They're just they're they're just things that make people sound smart, right? Well, if you just knew the um, you know, if you just knew the trajectory of your opponent and then you, you know, cross-reference that with two, then you're able to dissect them in half, and then it's much easier to no, that's not how people talk. That's not how people think in real life right? So it doesn't help anyone to just make a statement about jujitsu that just makes you seem smart, right? When I explain this idea of chest over chest, chin over trap is how I explain it sometimes. I explain this idea and then I explain, yeah, if you watch these black belts, if we make these black belts roll with each other, they will do this to some extent. If they're real black belts, they will do this idea. It is this overarching theme that seems to matter a lot because all that is, all that chest over chest is, is this way of thinking that whether they realize it or not, that most black belts, most really high level grapplers have to develop to pass the guard. And then we have this big overarching principle that's really helpful. But where those things come from is your perspective of jujitsu, your own perspective. And so you may think of chest over chest a totally different way. The first ways that I learned about keeping somebody flat, I used to explain it completely differently. I called it the open and far concept. And it was whatever side of the guard I am passing to, I want to have that near elbow knee space open and I want to have his far shoulder on the mat. So that was the open and far concept. Now I don't teach that. Now I just teach chest over chest. Now I just teach chin over trap, right? My understanding has gotten better. So my overarching concept has gotten simpler. So that is what you're trying to do. You're trying to look for when you listen to, when you're at, uh, when you're watching Lachlan Giles and you're watching all the stuff that he's showing on leg locks and he keeps talking about the importance of controlling the toes and he just keeps saying it and he keeps saying it and he keeps saying it. You start to say, Hey, maybe that's, maybe that's one of the most important things for all these leg locks. And now you have at least the, the beginnings of an overarching theme or an overarching idea. And then you focus on leg locks for six months. You focus on them for a year and your perspective will begin to change. Your way of simplifying these ideas will begin to change. You'll start to go, oh, it's not just the toes. I also need the hip too. Or I also need the knee and the toes. Or when I hug this way, it's helpful, right? What am I doing here? What's happening differently? And you want to, in my opinion, we should all be trying to, just like the first question, learn jujitsu as it's separate individual fights, get better at those individual skills, but then make jujitsu as small as possible. Have the least amount of ideas as possible. Imagine if we get to a place where it's no longer chest over chest or chin over trap, we start to develop a different idea of guard passing and it even becomes simpler. It even becomes easier for us. And what's going to be important for those things is knowing how you like to think about jujitsu.
right? What actually, what thoughts actually help you in the middle of a round? Is it not even a technical thought? Is it something as simple as you're trying to learn when to go hard and when not to? You know, this episode that I did on blitzing two years ago, a year and a half ago, is still one of the most common episodes that people will say, oh yeah, that was my favorite. And it's just, all it was about was when to attack and when to try to run away, right? It was all the whole episode was. It's this big overarching idea. But how you think of that idea is your own thing. It's your own understanding of jujitsu. Because my opinion on when to attack and when to defend is going to be different than yours. And so when we're looking at these overarching ideas, all we're trying to do is what can I think of? What one sentence can I use in my head to make jujitsu seem simpler? And I don't think that there's right and wrong when it comes to thinking conceptually in jujitsu, thinking about an idea in jujitsu. I think the biggest thing is to just make sure you're focused, make sure whatever idea you're trying to develop, you're focused on it. You're focused on it for a long enough time. You don't ever think you're too right. You know, you don't ever think, oh, this is the end all be all because you might tweak the idea a little bit. Somebody might do something different and just destroy the whole idea. And then you have to rethink of it, right? You have to, you know, you have to grow from there, but I could talk about overarching principles forever. Let's go into next question. So who is the coolest person you've ever competed against and why is it Cody? I'm going to give you guys a hint who asked this question. It was Cody Kellison who asked this question. Now, I don't want to say that Cody's the coolest person that I've competed against, but he might be, mainly because most people I compete against are relatively mean to me um, and uh, you know don't have great <laughs> friendships with them after. Coolest person. See, I pretty much, you know, no offense, Cody, but I pretty much hate anybody I've ever competed against. Um, maybe that's why they're mean to me. Maybe that's why I don't have good relationships with them. Uh, no, there, there've been a ton of really cool people that I've competed against. Cody is one of them. Jake Watson, really cool guy that I competed against. Always, um, just super nice. Even before our first match that we had, like there was this point where I was like, I wish this guy would, would leave me alone so I could warm up and stuff. Jake just wanted to keep talking to me. Just, you know, that type of person. Um, but yeah, I think I think that those those are those are probably my main cool guys. You know, the Americans, of course, right? <laughs> and let's go into the next question. So, how can you compete more, but when you can't, with kids, money, and work, etc.? How can yeah? So that is just how do you how do you balance getting to compete more, but you have a job, you have a mortgage. You have kids, you have all these things that get in the way of competition. So anytime I answer a question on the podcast, anytime I talk about something on the podcast, I am always giving my perspective right now. This is how I'm thinking about it right now, because so few of these things are right and wrong. So few of these things, like we talk about, they're just so few things in jujitsu and in life are absolute. Most of them are different for different people at different times. And as we talk about all the time, you change as a person. So your answer will be different all the time. But I think this is something that's been helpful for me. And I'm in the middle of trying it for the first time ever, really. I kind of did it by accident a few times, but uh, I'm in the middle of, 
of trying it for the first time. So let me explain like it white, blue, and purple belt. I really did compete a just an obnoxious amount, especially when you think about how few tournaments there actually were in jujitsu. Um, and, and locally, like in the St. Louis area, there were hardly any. And so we were traveling all the time. Um, but I competed a lot. And then there was this point at purple belt where I kind of got burnt out. I started, I didn't perform very well. Um, I had like a few strings of not performing very well. And I think I took like almost an entire year off of competing. And then I came back and it was obviously, it was really hard to come back and, you know, stayed in, stayed in, stayed in, eventually started winning again at purple, got my brown belt. And, you know, that is, that's that, right? But something that I think that happened to me was that I did not, you know, like I had all these plans in life and all these goals in my life, but I did not plan ahead when it came to competition. Because what's weird about jujitsu competition is when you are, when you're wanting to do it, you can, at a lot of gyms, you can find people to go compete with you, you know? And so you go, Hey, I want to do this tournament. And then 10 guys are like, Oh yeah, me too. I want to do this too. I, you know, and then eventually only three of you guys end up there, but you get a big group of people that want to do it. And a lot of us are that guy who just jumps in. Oh, you want to do this tournament? Well, I'll go. I, I like to compete too. I'll go compete with you. Oh, you're going to do this one the, the week after? All right. Well, I'll do that one too with you. And we do this and financially it's really exhausting because usually in that sense, we're making dumb financial decisions and physically and mentally it's really exhausting because we're competing so much, so clustered together. I think looking at off seasons and on seasons is going to be, you know, Mark Vives talked about that. One of the most active competitors that I know, he came on the show and he said, yeah, you've got to have an off season. That blew my mind. I didn't know that you needed an off season. And so that's something I decided I was going to apply. I was going to do two off seasons this year. Um, and I just said, I'm not going to compete during these times. And if I do, it's only going to be like a one match super fight. It's simply just to be in shape. Um, but I'm not going to go to a tournament. I'm not going to spend the money, especially to go to a tournament. And then I need to start making smart financial decisions to say, okay, well, I want to compete this many times during my on season. All right. I want to compete 12 times this year, but I want to compete in two three-month blocks or two four-month blocks. And so it's a lot of tournaments in those times. So then I can start to ask myself, how much money is this going to take? Because if I know how much money it's going to take, then I'm not making these dumb decisions where I'm going, okay, well, some of my guys, like for instance, some of my guys are doing Euros this month. And you know, I could have forced myself to do Euros, but it, one, it was in my off season. And so I, that was really a big reason I didn't. But two, I was like, okay, I'm, you know, what if it, you know, it's going to cost me this much money to do euros. I could do three IBGGFs in that same price range. And so to me, I go, I'll do three more local IBGGFs, get those reps instead of doing euros. Next year, I might do the opposite. I might go, okay, well, I would, I missed out on euros. Those guys had so much fun and it was such a cool tournament. I wish I would have done it. Then I make that decision, but I'm making my decisions a little further out and I'm trying to look at my tournaments as a season. And I also think you should have an 
end of your season. The end should be whatever tournament you want that to be, whether it's just your local Fuji state championship, whether it is a, a local IBJJF, you're like, I'm going to work up to competing at this IBJJF, whether it's Worlds, whether it's ADCC, whether it's whatever, but just planning out ahead. I want to, and it doesn't even have to be that you want to hit specific tournaments, but you can generally, you could look and say, I'm going to be competing during this season of the year. And I want to hit six tournaments in these three months. And then you can say, well, you know, I don't want to do too many back-to-back -to -back tournaments. And so you can kind of separate. I'll aim to compete these six specific weeks. And then you can start looking around for tournaments and apply those. You know, I, depending on where you live in America, at least, you don't have to drive more than four hours to compete at a really high level anymore um, for most people. Uh, I'm sure that there are still people that are like, ah, you forgot about where I live, Josh. Uh, and maybe you do still have to drive a little more and travel a little more. So maybe your end of your competition season is a little different, but I would say that, uh, your big things, the big things to take away would be to have a really good plan and, uh, also plan in your time off. Uh, I really got to enjoy Christmas this year because I had I knew I didn't have any tournaments in January. I had committed to, I am going to get to enjoy Christmas. This is going to be my off season and I'm going to have fun with it. And, uh, it made for a really fun Christmas. It made for, you know, yes, I'm, I'm fat because I ate too much during Christmas season, but it still made for a really fun, um, off season. And then when, you know, January, I still am not, I won't compete until, um, I have a super fight on the 25th of February and you know, I won't compete until then. Uh, be sure to, I'll give you guys more information on that. I need to, I should have given you more information on that. That's a St. Louis invitational. Um, and uh, yeah, I have this tournament and that's like, that will be my next focus. Right. And then after that, my season will actually start, right. That's kind of my preseason almost. And uh, then my season will really start and I'll try to hit a really good amount of tournaments. I'm somewhere in the, in the five to eight tournament range. And then my second off season of the year will go, I guess that'll technically be my first off season of the year, but uh, I'll go into another off season and then I'll hit Nogi time and do, do it all over again. And so that, of course that plan could change, um, but it's much more helpful when you have those ideas and you can look at saving the right amount of money, you know, having kids getting the right babysitters creating the right routine at the right time of year because uh you know you could be focused more during your off season on your technical understanding and, and getting better and adding new things to your game and then during your on season you could just focus on get focused on i seem to need to hit 20 rounds in order to get better um you know over the course of two days and so that's what i focus on i make sure i get my 10 rounds one on monday 10 rounds on wednesday and now i'm physically able to compete really well on saturday and then i do it again the next week and you just kind of have to through that on season you'll be listening to your body and your changing training will be adjusted um because you're going to get injured because that just seems like all jujitsu is is dealing with injuries and or all competing is is dealing with injuries and so uh yeah hopefully those those thoughts and ideas are helpful i'm a purple belt in my mid 40s how do i train to beat opponents 15 years plus younger than me so what would josh have to say on this subject he's a he's a 28 year old uh you know adult 
competitor? What would he have to say for, you know, being over 40 and competing? Uh, so I always had, I was always lucky with the perspective that I had because I came up while my dad was coming up and my dad was in his forties. I was a young kid who could train as much as he wanted and never got injured. And I could absorb things like a sponge because I was a kid and my dad was on the other side of the coin. He was older. It's harder for him to learn. He couldn't train near as much as some of the younger guys. And so how do you, how do you get better? How do you beat those guys? First, this is the most important thing. Try your best. And this is almost impossible to do, but try your best to not compare. Because like you just said, you're 15 plus years older than these guys. Your journey is going to be totally different than their journey. Your goals are going to be different than their goals. So as you start to, you know, it, as a purple belt, you have general, you have good knowledge of jujitsu. What you need to focus on, so mid-40s purple belt too. So I'm guessing you probably started early 40s. And in your, your early 40s, you still do a lot of times have athleticism to be able to compete with some of these younger guys and or physical attributes, strength or, you know, whatever to be able to compete with younger guys. But as you start to get mid 40s, upper 40s, you start to lose that uh, ability. And so the biggest thing that I would focus on, and uh, I have a whole episode about this is called um, the best jujitsu advice I've ever gotten, which is actually one of the questions that I got. So maybe we won't even answer that question today. But uh, best jujitsu advice I've ever gotten it is about rolling without strength. And uh, uh, Sean Williams gave me this advice. And I think that the idea of learning to roll without strength, really roll without physical attributes, that is going to be how you start to beat guys that are younger than you and more athletic. Okay. So this is how I explain it. Me and one of my black belts were just talking the other day. And um, there's this guy who's like a super athlete. And he's like, he's like, Hey, how do you, how do you do with that guy? And I was like, man, he honestly, as weird as it sounds, people that out physicality me a lot tend to not match up very well against me. And, um, and we just kind of talked on that for a little bit, like, yeah, why is that? I have no idea. And kind of the conclusion that we got to is this is when I start to notice that somebody is stronger than me, if somebody is faster than me, they're more, uh, their balance is insane. Just, just physical attributes that I am going to struggle to deal with instead of ever. And most people, when they feel those things, when they feel fight, they usually resist with more fight. I will try to go even further away from those things, further away from my physical attributes, and my jujitsu will become more technical and way lower risk. Because if I'm trying to come up on double legs on people that are more physical than I am, even with good positioning, they're more physical than I am. And that is a very physical position. Um, we kind of explain it like this. The two types of jujitsu are control and chaos jujitsu. All true technique is, is, is controlled jujitsu. It is something that can be done basically effortlessly. And then 
all chaos is when we add physical attributes to those ideas. So for instance, you learn a Toriando pass and you know, you can, you can't pull it off. Like some of the young athletes at the gym can do it. And the reason is because their feet are planted on the ground. When their feet are on the ground, they're in a very athletic place and they can apply their athleticism to the guard pass, right? Does that make them more technical than you? Does that make them understand the, this position better than you know? But it does mean that they're going to have more success than you, it's at least in the beginning. And so what you do to, to combat that is you say, you know, and this is and this is also my perspective as a, a competitive jujitsu athlete. When I was doing medium heavyweight, I'm fighting guys with the name like Hulk, right? I never fought Hulk, but he's in my division a bunch. His name's Hulk. I'm a a, a natural kind of chubby 195 pounder. At the time, I'm not a you know I'm kind of, I'm a kind of chubby middleweight now, but. You know, I like I expect to compete in any form of physicality with him. No, that would be absolutely ridiculous. It doesn't matter how many times I got to try to go deadlift, right? He is still going to be more physical than me. You know, he has better physical attributes than I do. And most of his jiu-jitsu is built around those physical attributes too. How am I going to be able to beat that guy? Why well, change weight classes? That was what I did. But you're not when it comes to trying to match physicality, unless you are in your mid 40s and you do have superhuman strength and speed and you go, okay, well, I can match these guys physically, then you can just do that. But for most of us, we can almost feel, especially you've been up, you're a purple belt, you've been on the mat long enough. You can feel when you are just outmatched physically. And I think that so many people that their next reaction then is to try to go harder and it shouldn't be, it should be to go, okay, I need to conserve energy. I need to conserve strength because if he gets tired because he's using so much of these physical attributes and then I apply my strength and my speed and my, you know, even though it, it lacks, he's tired. It's not, it's, I'm going to be in a much better position. I'm going to be able to win. So that would be my main advice, but again, I'll reiterate the thing I said first. Don't compare yourself. Don't get discouraged by saying this guy got, he, he's been training for six months and he can beat me now. It's going to happen, man. We're all on our own personal journey for jujitsu though. Remember you didn't start jujitsu to beat that guy. You started jujitsu to better yourself. So make sure your focus is on bettering yourself, but to actually be able to beat those guys, learn to roll without physical attributes. That is my biggest advice that I can give. Ooh, my wife asked this question. She set me up. Um, so I just, the, I asked for question and answers just on a uh, on my story on Instagram. And the background I used to ask for that was um, the new backdrop for Simplifying Jiu-Jitsu Studios 2.0. And so the question was, is that the new, is that the new recording space? It looks awesome. And again, this was my wife. This wasn't a fan. This was, she, she fed me this one, but yes, it is the new recording studio and it is so close to done, like so close to done. I want to tell you guys so bad about the stuff that 
we're going to start doing um is uh uh but i can't yet i can't i'm going to keep it to myself right now because that's not nothing nothing set in stone and then i tell you guys what we're going to do and then you guys are like mad at me that it takes a few weeks longer and then you don't listen to the show anymore it happens um next question how do i retain more knowledge i think this is this is a good one um hmm. all right so i would say Most likely, your problem isn't the amount of knowledge that you are retaining. It is more about what knowledge you should be retaining. Um, uh, a lot of times, we want we want everything in in jujitsu. We want every bit of knowledge that we could have, and that's not very helpful. Because how do you apply? these million ideas that I talk about into a single match or a single round or even a single positional fight, you really don't. You can apply like one idea. And so um, I think a lot of times for most people, it, that is the answer is that you don't need more knowledge. You just need better knowledge. You need to be more focused on important things. Now, that um, that may not be the, the answer, though. Some people may just actually need, they struggle to retain any knowledge. And so um, this is kind of how, how I look at it. You know, and knowledge can be, it can be so many different things. Um, but I think that so much of whatever idea you're trying to work should be applied into actual jujitsu technique and actual jujitsu fights, right? We talk about on the podcast that you need two things in order to get good at jujitsu. You need understanding and you need repetition. And so in order to take that knowledge and actually make it useful, I don't think it is, for most of us at least, it is writing that knowledge into a notebook. Some people that's super helpful for. So if that is you, do that. But most of us need to then get success from that knowledge. And that is how we start to retain more knowledge. Um, I have two episodes on this idea of designated winner. And I think that when it comes to any idea, if you just played one round of designated winner trying to apply that idea, maybe two, two three-minute rounds, so in six minutes, I think you would get way more retention of whatever that idea is than anything else I can tell you, than any amount of of meditating on an idea or you know watching other videos on it or anything. Actually putting it into your physical body and, and applying it to jujitsu. It doesn't even have to be a fully live round. Like I said, these are designated winner rounds that I'm talking about. Your opponent resisting at 20%, and then whatever you're trying to add, whatever idea you're trying to add, just getting after it, just doing reps of it. I think that that is where my focus would be. Um, what's the first position or skill you think people should try to master? Tip And what are your tips for mastering? We kind of answered a similar question, um, but first position... I think 
I personally, I think it should be bottom side control for most people and then top side control or bottom mount for most people and then top mount. Uh, and the reason I think that is because the overarching goal of grappling is control. The best forms of control are pinning people. And so first learn what it feels like to be pinned and learn how to try to get on your side and then how to escape. And then learn what it feels like to pin someone. I just think that those, and you can ask me this question five years from now, I guarantee my answer will be different. But this is how I see it right now. I see that pinning is this hole for a lot of people. Like you look at the highest level, that's what the highest level guys are doing and focusing on right now. They're trying to learn how to pin people better while passing their guard. Because just the pass itself doesn't do much for you if you can't actually pin the person, if you can't actually flatten them out, you know, if you can't actually put them on their four main joints, we have all kinds of ways we can explain what a pin is. Um, but I think that those are the first positions you should master first skill. Cause it did say first position or skill. You think people should try to master master first skill. A call back to the beginning of the episode is learn to ask good questions uh, and learn to ask good follow-up questions, learn to then Try to apply that knowledge with designated winner, of course, and then go back and ask that same person, say, hey, I ran into this. What would you do? What do you think about? What are you trying to do? Do you ever, why don't you run into that problem that I run into? What am I doing wrong in, in my entry, right? Uh, I think that those are my main tips for mastering. Let's see, I have some on the board that were, not on my phone let's see. oh favorite grappler to watch i think my favorite grappler to watch i've told you guys this all the time i really like watching mika goval uh just so much fun to watch just i think his his jujitsu is is pretty amazing i think his dad is one of the best coaches in the world and i think that uh it really shows when he grapples that there is there is whether it's training method, whether it's understanding, there is something that they are doing that is different from other people. And you look at him, you look at Baby Shark, you look at Fabricio Andre, they all kind of have it. It's their own spin on grappling. They're, they're some of the few guys that are high level that aren't just doing what Gordon does, at least in Nogi, right? Uh, and so to me, those are those those three are actually my favorite to watch. But Mika, favorite grappler to watch. Favorite interview that I've ever done. I liked how many of the questions were like favorites um, or, you know, best or what, whatever, right? Those are like the most fun questions for me to answer, I think. Um, so favorite interview I've ever done. Let's take a commercial break and then we'll talk about it. Have you ever wanted to know how you best learn jujitsu? 
Hey guys, Josh here, interrupting Josh uh, to give you a little bit of info on something we have going on at simplifyingjujitsu.com. So right now, The Three Lenses is absolutely free. The Three Lenses is my last ebook. And all we do is break down this idea that there are three perspectives that most everyone learns jujitsu from. And it teaches you how to use these perspectives individually and together in order to create a better jujitsu routine, a better training routine. And it also gives you all the info that I have and all the ways that I understand training method, which for, as you guys know, if you've been listening to the show for any amount of time, that is kind of what we try to be the uh, on the cutting edge of is how to actually apply the knowledge that you learn from all these other places, from all the instructionals and all the YouTube videos and all the Instagram and TikToks and all these different videos that you may see in the jiu-jitsu world and how to actually apply that to your jiu-jitsu understanding and uh, how to get better on the mat. And so that is the focus and the beauty of the Three Lenses ebook is it is absolutely free and it's only at simplifyingjujitsu.com slash three. That is simplifyingjujitsu.com slash the number three. Let's get back to the episode. All right, so favorite interview. For me, there's probably a difference between like my favorite interview I've ever done and then the best interview on the show, probably. Um, I think that obviously the best interview is going to be perspective. It's going to be what you needed. Um, sometimes you just have the right guy on the show for you at the right time and that's what you needed and it was super helpful. And so, uh, you know, you know, that that may be different, you know, and, and even the interviews that I learned the most from might even be different. But my favorite interview that I've ever done um, was I think it was probably in like the the 30s. It was very early. I was um, really like kind of in the middle of COVID and I'm trying to get some guys on the show that I might have not been able to if we weren't all stuck inside. And uh, I reached out to Kenny Florian and he said, yes, he was super cool. I was so new into podcasting that I sent him the wrong Zoom link, of course, because it's totally stuff that I would do. And, you know, it starts out, I'm embarrassed, I'm nervous. I do this interview with him. And there was even a point in the interview. And it was like, uh, I was I was doing some podcast coaching. And my pot, one of my podcast coach, I actually had two different ones. One of them told me, if you can make somebody laugh on the interview, that's like one of the biggest things that shows that it's a good interview. Uh, he said, if you can make them laugh, because most of the time when you start to, and I, I found this to be true, when you start to do a lot of interviews, um, because you're, you know, whatever, you're creating better content or whatever, and people want you on their podcast. Most of the time, the questions that you get are very redundant. Um, and it's the same people asking you the same things over and over and over again. And, you know, it's it it gets boring for the person being interviewed. And uh, I don't even remember what the the thing we said was, but I'm talking to Kenny Florian and I make a it was a it was a solid joke. It was a really solid on the fly joke. I felt it. And I was like, oh, that was my laugh. That was what I needed. 
the interview ends, you know, it goes, we go through the whole thing. I really enjoyed the whole interview. It ends. And, um, you know, you kind of get, sometimes you get this opportunity and uh, it's, it's the coolest thing, but you're talking to this really high level guy and then you stop recording and you get like two to five minutes sometimes to kind of say goodbye. This is when the podcast is ending. This is, or this is when it comes out, whatever. And, uh, uh, during that time you ever once in a while, you just get the right thing. You can ask a question like, Hey, could I ask you about this or, or that? And I think I asked him a few questions and he just stopped and he goes, Hey, he said, you should really stick with this. He said, you were really good at, you know, how many episodes have you done of this? And I go, you know, 30. And he's like, he goes, you really have, you really have what it takes to do this. And he said, you should stick with it. And I re I would maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think that I would have a podcast if it wasn't for that one sense, that one little bit of encouragement from somebody that I didn't know at all, but have looked up to and admired for a long time. You know, I watched the first season of the ultimate fighter, every episode when it was first coming out when I was a kid and, uh, then that this guy, the guy that made it to the final and the guy that really had the best career from the show or one of the best careers from the show, he's now telling me that maybe I have something here. It was, you know, to me, that was, that's why it's my favorite interview. Uh, next, we'll change up the pace a little bit. Did Kyle ever eat his pig? So um, with this, with the new studio, we're going to be able to do, we're going to be able to do uh, so many better interviews in person with people that you guys want to hear from again. That was like a huge turning point for me when I started to realize that people would rather hear me talk to my friends that I know really well, uh, at least most people, than like the big gets that you try to pull on a podcast, the big interviews that you try to pull. Um, every time I've done a big interview, you know, some people liked it, some people have, you know, whatever. But some of the most response I get is when I've interviewed my dad or I've interviewed Kyle or I've interviewed uh, just people that I'm close to. Uh, the conversations are better. The questions tend to be better. Uh, and you can be more fun and relaxed in like what happened on Kyle's first episode of the show. I think it was episode two. We talk about if the situation arose, Kyle and his wife have a pet pig named Meg. Um, a lot of their animals at their house had uh, a family guy reference to their names, but named Meg. And she is a big old pig they still have her so no he is not eating her but um the question arose if your pig were to die would it be wrong to eat your pig you know because he still eats bacon he still eats ham he still eats these things and so you know we just talked about that for way too long and it was uh yeah it was it was it was it was a lot it was a lot <laughs> um but anyway, no, Kyle has never eaten his pig. We'll get him back on the show soon and let him explain where the pig is at in life and what his opinion is on it now. Okay. This is a good one. Will chat GPT take over the world? Absolutely. I have no doubt. Totally no doubt. If you don't know what chat GPT is, 
I don't know. Maybe you should skip this part because this part can, this is, this is, this is, this can be a little much for people. You know, it just, it, it's ruined my life the last month that I've known about it. And so uh, it could ruin yours too. Basically what chat GPT is, is it's a search bar. And instead of searching, like instead of with Google, when I ask Google a question and then it searches 4,000 different articles for me to read or millions of different articles for me to read, chat GPT is AI. It is artificial intelligence. And what it does is it reads all those articles and then it actually answers the question. And so, uh, it, I, I thought, you know, what would be fun. What if I, I wasn't going to do this. I'll do it. Uh, I have somewhere on my phone. I decided, you know, because I'm a jujitsu coach, of course, I've got to apply the thoughts to jujitsu. And so I said, okay, I'm th this AI generated. If look up some YouTube videos on it, it will blow your mind the answers to questions that it gives and the way the way it can write articles and write books and just do everything it's it is crazy um but anyway this is this has nothing to do with jujitsu but we'll bring it back somehow i promise uh so i i'll read this this is like it's probably two minutes but i got on chat gpt and i said write me a youtube video script about learning jujitsu and literally within two seconds, this is what comes up. And I have not edited anything. This is exactly how it reads. Hello, and welcome to our video on learning jujitsu. Jujitsu is a martial art that originated in Japan and has been growing in popularity around the world. It's known for its focus on ground fighting and submission holds, and it's often taught as a self-defense system. So if you're interested in learning jujitsu, what should you know? First, it's important to find a good school or instructor. Look for someone with a solid background in the art and a good reputation. It's also a good idea to observe a class or two before committing to a school. Once you've found a school and an instructor you feel comfortable with, the next step is to get the right gear. This will typically include a gi, the traditional uniform worn in jiu-jitsu, and a belt. You may also want to invest in some protective gear, such as mouth guards and cups, depending on your level of comfort and the intensity of your training. As you start learning jujitsu, keep an open mind and be patient with yourself. It's a complex art that takes time and dedication to master. Focus on learning the techniques and principles rather than trying to be the best in class. It's also important to remember that jujitsu is a cooperative art, not a competitive one. Your training partners are there to help you learn and improve, not to beat you up. Train safely and respect your partners. Finally, make sure you stay consistent in your training. Attend class regularly and try to practice outside of class as well. The more you put into jiu-jitsu, the more you'll get out of it. That's it for our video on learning jiu-jitsu. We hope you found it helpful and that it inspired you to give this amazing martial arts a try. Remember to find a good school and an instructor, get the right gear, keep an open mind, and stay consistent in your training. Good luck on your jiu-jitsu journey. Does that freak anyone else out? That's a better YouTube script than I could write on learning jujitsu and I'm the tips and tricks on learning jujitsu guy.
you guys are you guys pulling over on the side of the road right now and, and searching chat GPT to see if I'm telling the truth? Because I am telling the truth. Yes, it is going to change everything. But here's the thing. Everything always changes. And yeah, people are saying, oh, chat GPT will change our generation or change technology more in the next five years than technology has changed in the last 1,000 years. And maybe that's true too. But just like jujitsu, things change. And just so you guys know, this is not me reading off the chat GPT uh, video script anymore. Just so you know, this is Josh again, um, which is why there are ums and uh, and slowness in my talking. But things change. That's why you, just like in jiu-jitsu, we focus on skill development. That's why we focus on making ourselves better. Because if yourself is better, not focused on, well, I need better training partners. I need a better gym. I need a better whatever. You focus on getting yourself better because then when you're put in a different gym, now you can apply all that knowledge and all those skills that you already have to wherever you're put. If you are, if chat GPT makes your podcast irrelevant because it can just create its own video content in a voice that you guys like better, that pronounces words better. Well, hopefully I can use the skills that I have developed from this podcast to go to something else or to do something better, right? Jiu-jitsu is the same way. Being on the mat is the same way. So often it's easy to focus on, just like some of the questions we've had, beating specific people in the gym. But what you should be focused on, if that's your goal, is how do you better yourself individually? What individual skill could you add to yourself? Because then no matter what new AI generated whatever comes up, you know exactly what you could be doing. You know exactly how you could be set into this situation and go, okay, well, I have this, I have these skills that I've developed. I know I can apply them to whatever this is, to whatever situation I'm in. And so, uh, yeah, that's a, that's what we'll stick with on chat GPT. Why don't you YouTube? Some of the wording on these questions are amazing. I didn't know YouTube was a verb. But why don't I YouTube? I've talked, I think I've, I've, I swear I've answered this question before. Um, one is because the main reason is because uh, for the longest time, I didn't think that there was much for me to give in a sense of YouTube. Meaning, I think that YouTube has always been, has always been, okay, these are the techniques that I know. And I share them and hopefully there's a good thumbnail and a good title and people will watch. And uh, I think that there are enough guys to do that. And so for me, timing and, and the idea of it was until I had an idea that I go, oh, I could do something totally different. I could do something that nobody else is doing. I really didn't have the desire to, to do that. I, you know, I didn't have the desire to get in that battle of, you know, well, that battle of trying to post the same type of content as everybody else. Um, but that being said, I've told you guys not long ago that you should definitely give my YouTube channel, Josh McKinney BJJ, a subscribe because 
this year, I don't know exactly when, probably within, probably in February, I am going to start YouTubing. Um, you know, I, I won't, again, I'm not going to tell you guys what that is going to actually look like, what that's actually going to be. But, um, you know, this studio build out that we've done really was so we could diversify and, um, I wouldn't just be doing a once a week podcast anymore. And I could really push out the amount of content that I want to be pushing out. Um, cause there's like this level of entertainment and in learning that comes from good jujitsu content. And I want to not just be doing that for one hour each week. Uh, I want to be able to do that a lot more. And, uh, I think it would be helpful for you guys. I think it would be helpful for me. And, um, also there's more money to be made on YouTube. And so that's a big reason that I'm going to start now too. But, uh, yeah, I, that's kind of why I don't YouTube is because I just never had the idea or the time that I, I needed. And I'm starting to get to that point. Well, maybe it's not that maybe I don't have the time, but I have the right people around me now, um, to, to be able to help me and to be able to get me to that next place. So that is why, um, I didn't YouTube, but now I guess I am going to soon. Um, let's see. I think I have, I have two questions left. Did I get all those on my board? It's always hard to look up at my board because I can't read. And I also can't spell and my handwriting's terrible. So I write the notes for myself up on this board and then I can't read them because they're misspelled and the handwriting's terrible. Um, best jujitsu advice, I answered that. Chat GPT taking over the world, answered. Yeah, got two questions left and then we will... Uh, we will be done. And how do I decline this phone call on my phone? Oh my gosh. I'm struggling today, guys. All right. So what kind of hair product do you use in order to look fresh while competing? This is a great question. So right now my hair is long, you know, and I've been having to change up my hair, hair care routine. So for the longest time I've been using this product that my wife gets. It's a paste. It's called, um, the company's Kevin Murphy in the, the, I think it's, it's, it's for men. It's like Kevin Murphy for men and it's called rough rider. And it's like the perfect amount of hold and, and like matte, you know, it's not super shiny. And so I was really, I was really digging it for a long time. And as my hair grew out, it just not really the best thing for the length of my hair anymore. So I actually, I'm still, I'm kind of, you know, I'm looking, I'm on the market right now. So anybody who's got like that medium range hair, if you have better advice, be sure to give it to me. So lately what I've been doing, I mean, getting out of the shark, cause I just like kind of push my hair back, but it's kind of hard to keep your hair to get your hair to stay back. At least for me, I don't know if it's like that for other people. Apparently my hair is curly. It's never been long enough for me to realize that, but yeah, apparently my hair curls and doesn't want to do what I want it to do. But anyway, so after I get out of the shower, I use shea butter. Okay. So that is, uh, you know, that's like kind of, that was what I was using for a little bit just by itself. Kind of like it. It's really nice. It's super duper cheap. I assume it's natural. I always see it in natural products. So I assume shea butter is like a natural good for you thing. But anyway, do that. And then I actually take that 
rough rider paste and uh I will like mix it in my hands and then put a little water in my hands and then mix it because when I just the paste is so thick when I go into it with my like when it's just dry basically in my hands I try to run my fingers through my hair it just feels like it's ripping my hair out and it doesn't actually hold it down and it's not helpful so that's that's my that's the game plan as I do a little bit I water down the rough rider and so it's not like rough rider anymore it's like kind of rough rider right and uh yeah that's that's my hair care routine right now now we'll finish with uh this is a good question how do you know you're doing enough to reach your goals in time dang that's hard i feel like a lot of times i'm asked questions on the show and I'm almost expected to give an answer from like looking back and saying, oh, well, you know, this is what I did. This is how I, how I got to, how I got to this goal or I got to, you know, whatever. Right. Um, so it's, it's, you know, but that's, it's not true. I'm not, uh, this super successful person. Um, or even this moderately successful person that you're hearing on the podcast. I'm not this this guy that has like uh, these phenomenal answers of just, yeah, just do this, just do that when it comes to goals. I'm giving perspective a lot of times on this is what, just like I talked about uh, earlier on um, doing competition seasons, you know, I'm learning with you guys. I am... I am so much smarter though than I was on episode one on this show. Um, my ideas on training and my ideas on on goal setting, my ideas on competition, they are so much better, but they're not finished. And so um, for me, this is something that I struggle with constantly. How do I know that I'm doing enough to reach my goals? How do I know that the goals that I even have set are reachable? Well, first off, you don't. You, you're you not going to be able to see the future. You don't know if all this work that you do is going to be, um, is, is going, it, like maybe your goal is to be a black belt world champion. And you don't know that that is going to happen because there are, thousands of people that have that same goal. And that means their goal is to prevent you from getting to yours, is to prevent you from, from finding that success. And so what I like to do, what I like to think about, man, I'm trying to think of the best way to answer this. I'll just tell you guys where I'm at right now with it. Um, because all the goals that I have set, my main goals in my life, I'm not there yet, but I do know pitfalls. I don't know exactly how I get there. I don't know exactly what it takes to be there, but I know for sure what will keep me from getting there. And the biggest one for me is inconsistency. Is like, you know, like, am I doing enough? I don't know. But I know that I'm being consistent. I know that every day I'm focused on being 1% better, right? And that that does not mean that every day I'm, I'm working. 
Some days I'm resting. Some days I will, um, I'm just, I'm recording this on a Wednesday. I take Tuesdays totally off. That's like my, my main off day. And on Tuesdays, I don't generally, I don't even look at my phone. I don't even check like if somebody, the gym could be burning down and I wouldn't even know about it. Right. I live pretty close to the gym. I guess eventually I would probably see smoke and wonder and, and check my phone. Uh, but you know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't know because my focus in that time is to be consistent, to wake up Wednesday morning and to feel good, ready to record. I've got to get rest. I've got to make sure I'm getting rest. And that is me looking at my long-term goal on the podcast. It's me saying, if I want to get to this number of listeners every single month, no matter what kind of content is being pushed out, I have an audience that likes my ideas and likes the way that I create content. Well, I've got to be consistent. That is always going to be the big thing. And so often, you know, when you're looking at this idea of, am I doing enough? Well, probably not. You're probably not doing enough in a sense of, could you do a little more? Yeah, you probably could. But is that doable for a long period of time? Is that doable in order to get it to compound and to actually get where you want to be? Because that is how learning anything goes is you do it a long enough time and then all of a sudden you start to get that propulsion. You look at anybody that has, uh, you know, that's ever had a big podcast. They, they, a lot of times say, yeah, you need to commit to at least 100 episodes because you won't even get a, a decent amount of listeners until you've posted a hundred episodes. And yeah, it's different for other people, but for most of us, that is true. I didn't start to even gain an audience on this show until I was getting to a hundred episodes. Honestly, I didn't even know what the show was going to be until I was getting to 100 episodes. So again, like I said, I don't know if there's an actual way to know that you are going, that you're doing enough to reach your goal, but I do know that consistency is going to be incredibly important for you to reach whatever goal that is. And also consistency does this weird thing where it starts to change who you are. If you are consistently coming into class, you start to become a good grappler, right? If you are consistently dieting, you start to become healthier, depending on what your diet is. If you're consistently lifting, you start to gain strength. You start to become stronger. And through that consistency, since it starts to change who you are, your goal may change. My goals when I was 20, I have hit those goals. But then I realized that, well, I'm a different person now because I had to become a different person to hit those goals. For instance, I always wanted, I always thought I would just be happy living the jujitsu bum lifestyle. I'm like, okay, all I need at my school is if I have a hundred members, I can live in the house that I live in and I can, you know, I can be I can be happy. I just train all day and compete when I want and, and everything will be good. 
And then something starts to happen. I start to, you know, for years, that's my focus. And I'm being consistent and I'm stuck in the 50s and I'm stuck in the 50s of members. I'm stuck in the 50s. And then all of a sudden, I start to make some different decisions and learn from some different people. And I start to get closer and closer. And then all of a sudden, I hit 100 students and I'm where I want to be. And then I start to realize, man, this whole growth mindset that I've adapted, it changed me. It changed my goal. I no longer want to just be at a hundred and have, and be a jujitsu bum. I want to grow this place even more and help other people live that dream. But it came from becoming a new person, really. It, that is where those new goals come from. And so when you're looking at Am I doing enough to reach this goal that I have? Make sure, one, that you're being consistent, and two, that with that consistency, when you start to change, when your opinions and your thoughts and you start to, to grow, you're able to you're able to hit those goals or you're able to change those goals. And so when it comes to goal setting. I think those are my, at least right now, my big thing is, is focus. You look on, you look at, uh, you know, inconsistency, you look at, uh, John will, when he was on, uh, when he was on the show, the first, uh, first Australian black belt. And he said, um, you know, I ask him best jujitsu advice you've ever gotten. He said, just get 5% better when you're in a bad spot. And I think about this all the time because I, you know, I really think there was some genius to this. So what he said was, if you are $100,000 in debt, you don't focus on making $100,000. He goes, because you are $100,000 in debt and your actions put you there. So obviously, you don't know how to make $100,000 and get out of debt. He goes, but maybe you know how to make $500 and pay off that $500. You pay 5%, right? Wait a second. That's not 5%, $5,000. Sorry, bad math. But same thing, right? You learn or whatever. You learn how to make $500 and you apply that. And that is your bit. That's your little bit that you can start working towards. And, uh, you know, you look at bottom side control. You don't, you know, this is, when somebody first gets into bottom side control, they want to know how to escape, right? And for years and years and years, they want to know how to escape. They want to know how to escape. But then they start to find that, hey, when I frame the neck, it makes it easier for me to escape. So then they start to ask questions of, it's not about how to escape. How, how do I frame the neck more? And then that starts working and they're 5% better at that position. They're 5% better at that little fight. Eventually, that starts to change you. Eventually, you start to whatever. You start to learn to make $500 to get out of debt. And then you start to learn, hey, I can make $1,000 this way. And that helps me get 1% out of debt. And then eventually, you can make $5,000. And then that helps you get 5% out of debt. And then usually, you start to learn that you can uh, uh, use your debt to your advantage. And then you get millions of dollars in debt and stuff like that happens. But anyway. The big thing with goals is understand you're going to change and you're going to change from them, but only if you're consistent. 
And so make sure that your focus is not, hey, I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. Make sure your focus is consistency. You know, make sure, I guess, last little tip, this is something I've done always when I've had goals and it's always been helpful for me is try to find some mentors, some people to guide you, whether it's podcasts you like to listen to, um, whether it's individuals, I think you have an individual mentor, they can be so helpful because they can say, hey, these are the pitfalls in this goal that you're trying to achieve. You know, I got to that place that you want to get to. And this is how I got there. And you, you're you going to make these mistakes and maybe don't make these mistakes. Maybe, uh, you know, do these ideas instead. That puts you so far ahead uh, is when you when you do jujitsu that or when you do life that way is with, you know, the right mentor with the right people um, that could be helping you. And so I think that that is, yeah, having a mentor, something else, little note on mentors. Um, sometimes you just need a mentor for like six weeks. Sometimes you just need to buy like a little coaching package and then try to apply their ideas. And then what works you keep and what doesn't you throw out. And then you, you know, you work that consistently in until you need to upgrade, until you need more information, right? Uh, but I would say the biggest thing for any goal is going to be consistency. So if you are wondering if you're doing enough, if you're not being consistent, if you're not always thinking about doing little things to get you a little closer to that goal then you're probably not being consistent. If you're not keeping a schedule of some sort, you're probably not being consistent enough towards those goals. Um, and I think that for any goal, maybe this is just oversimplified, is consistency. I guess last little bit. I keep saying last little bit, but I have more thoughts. It's such a good question. I should have just done a whole episode on this. Um, but uh, last little thought is you do have to believe in yourself. But that's last. That's not first. There are a lot of people that you see post on Facebook this this goal that they have, you know, especially this time of year. You know, I'm gonna do this, right? And um, they don't have consistency, and so they'll never do that. Uh, but the people that are consistent, a lot of times they don't even tell you what their goal is. They're too busy being consistent and focused on that goal themselves. Uh, but you're gonna get to points where you say there is no way this goal was too far away. It was too big. There is no way that even with this consistency that I have, that it will work. But the funny thing about consistency is it makes you luckier. And so to keep yourself consistent, you almost have to believe that there is something special that's going to happen, that there is some level of falling into place that is going to take place. I look at, I have two, I've told this, I've said this before, I have two friends that I have seen um, like at the beginning of a year. And I, I couldn't tell you what year each one of these was, um, but they kind of said something along the lines of this is, this is the year that I am going to, I'm going to blow up. I've had a lot of friends tell me that, but I've had two friends Tell me that, and it actually happened. And the two things that I would say from both of those people, first, they were already really consistently working towards 
these goals and these ideas that they had. And then kind of towards the end of the year, they're like thinking of what they should be doing next, what should be next year. And they, through their consistency said, Hey, I know where I'm at. I've, I've heard of enough, enough people that have done what I'm trying to do. I know what I'm trying to accomplish. This is my year to do it. And that like little extra self-belief, that little extra, um, I know that something great is going to happen. Uh, I think it just keeps you in the game and it keeps you in the game long enough to find that bit of luck that you need. And so, yeah, that really is officially all that I have. Let's let's end this Q&A. Hope you guys like this one. If you liked the Q&A format, be sure to let me know because I'm trying to structure um, my Thursday episodes a little more on the podcast, like maybe do one of these a month and, uh, you know, kind of have just a little more structure on that. And uh, so I want to know what you guys are enjoying. If you liked the randomness of the Q&A and how many different topics we got to cover, um, let me know. If you hated it, if you're like, yeah, Josh didn't seem as polished because he has no idea what he's talking about ever. And uh, it's easier when he can just dig in on one topic and not 17. Uh, yeah, let me know that too. But uh, regardless, that's all I have for you guys today. And that is the episode. Thank you guys for checking this one out. You know, nobody asked me to get angry about anything on this one. Usually there are people that like are trying to ask questions that they hope will set me off. No one asked me about steroid use. Uh, nobody asked me about shrimping. Nobody asked me about closed guard armbar drilling. Um, and uh, maybe you guys are just, maybe you guys are just wanting me to be happy this year. Who knows? Maybe you guys need a, uh, maybe I should do an episode of Q&A sometime where it's just like, hey, only ask me questions that you think will make me angry. That might be a fun episode to do in the future. Uh, but yeah, that's all I have for you guys today. I hope you guys enjoyed today's Q&A. I really like doing these Q&A. So if that is something that you enjoy, be sure to let me know because I am more likely to try to add one of these per month on the show. And uh if you guys were to encourage it, I will definitely add one of these per month and even create an easier way to be able to like kind of ask questions for me to answer on these episodes. And so that is all I have for you guys today. I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. I hope you guys, uh, your lives aren't ruined by the, the idea of chat GPT and how it's going to take over the world and, uh, make my podcast irrelevant one day, most likely. And, uh, I hope that today's episode helps you guys suck just a little bit less at jujitsu. Have a great day, guys.